0: So good morning, everybody. Welcome back. Here we are again, Talking Country with Brad and Chancey, sitting across the table from my good friend Chancey. How was your week, bud?
1: Man, it was good. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, everyone. No, it was a good week, man. It was a good dry week, good day to be out and about, good week to be getting some stuff done out in the fields and the pasture. I was in Liberty Hill early part of this week and driving back through, coming home. I mean, if there was a farmer, he was in the field. He was getting after it planting-wise, so
0: he was, and speaking of that, me and Chancy were getting after it this morning, along with our good friend Matt Goodson helping a, a good friend of ours pick up a bunch of feed that spilled off the back of his truck in the middle of the highway this morning. So so nothing like shoveling 2,000 pounds of feed up off the middle of the highway to get your blood flowing in the morning.
1: Bro, it's a good thing we had some coffee right before the guys. We
0: did. We had a <laughs> yeah. little coffee to wake us up this morning, and, and uh, so now our blood's flowing. We're feeling good. We're ready for springtime, man, and it's here.
1: It's here, man. I'm telling you, I noticed this week, too, uh, Eastern Phoebes are really getting after it. They're starting to look for places to build nests. They're starting to call. Carolina wrens are calling. Redbirds have been, you know, calling and starting to fly into your windows right now or in your mirrors. And just, uh, I think on Tuesday, I saw, you know, I'm not saying they haven't been here, but I haven't seen them in my place yet, was a whole bunch of giant flock of robins came through. And, uh, you know, they were getting after all the yopon and the possum hall, deciduous holly berries, just in, in the daylight side of them. So they're usually a sure sign of spring. And
0: and likewise, I was just showing Chancey, we got our first shipment of plants in here at the store last week, as I told you. Yeah. And for some reason, these little sparrows that we have that hang out inside the, the feed drive through and pick up all the feed off the floor so graciously for us and poop all over everything out there. Yeah. Sure do like to eat pepper plants as well. I mean, they have literally stripped every leaf off of the pepper plants Yeah, and
1: there. I didn't know that. But it, what it is is those, you know, Eurasia or the house sparrows, you know, the one that's getting town, the ones that are exotic and introduced that just are a nuisance, actually. But I had no idea they'd eat pepper plants, but they sure did. They didn't mess with anything else. They Nothing else. The they peppers. didn't touch
0: the tomatoes. They didn't touch the uh, any of the flower plants, really. Oh. But Lord have mercy. They grazed the heck out of some pepper plants. They
1: sure did. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and you would think, you know, I mean, like peppers, aren't they naturally, like, naturally produce like heat due to keep insects and different things off of them like that's a natural defense system that they have
1: in some apparently in some.
0: not the leaves yeah there's very little defense not a house sparrow anyway <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. tell you they took after that yes yeah. they
1: did i yeah. don't they might be i don't know kia
0: yeah the way they're looking yes yeah, so yeah. don't come this week if you want to buy any pepper plants you might give you might give them a couple weeks to shake back up a little bit yeah, yeah and likewise the farmers are out rolling corn's going in the ground the soil temperature usually you got to wait for the soil temperature to hit about 50 degrees and last week down here in central texas it was in the it was in the upper 40s so so we're getting close to that but dead gum if there's not a 27 degree weather coming
1: again this coming weekend on top of what
0: is it today 82 83 degrees
1: yeah yeah hopefully we get some rain i know the farmers don't want it but i tell you we need some moisture you know but but yeah it's, it's crazy weather but People are starting to think garden. I mean, the plants are telling us right now. I mean, in the last week, if you've been paying attention to your trees, the American elm and the winged elm is really starting to flower right now, put on little – it's it's seed. And then, I mean, just yesterday I noticed, you know, the the Mexican plum and the thicket plum, and then also they're starting to – you can see a tint of white to them. They're starting to get ready to bloom and also redbud. I saw some little hints of purple in the woods, you know, this week. That So next week it'll be – real pretty and you know how it is in the springtime i mean it just can one week can make all the difference it goes from brown to green real fast
0: it does and if you if you think about it the earth is revolving around the sun at a speed of 66660 miles per hour so that's moving. That gives you a very small window of time in the grand scheme of things for spring to last to get your stuff done. So, so we ain't drifting through space slow here, people. You better get out there, get your plants bought, and get them in the ground because we're moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so springtime is here. Uh the first day of spring is coming March the tw-
1: 20th I believe March. it's always on the equinox yeah whether, yeah 20th or yeah the 20th I believe this year it changes some some years depending but so, always around that time frame
0: Yes and so it's a good time of the year to start thinking about plant flowers that you might like to plant and you know a lot of the one of the bigger advantages to having a nice flower bed outside your house or these potted flowers around your place is to watch the different things that these flowers attract, like bees and butterflies, hummingbirds. Yes. All kinds of neat things to just sit on your porch and just watch.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Brett, that's what I was thinking – you know, when we, because right now we're wanting to be outside too. It's springtime. It's, you know, it's starting to warm up. You're going to get some nice days. It smells good. And that's when people are out, you know, not only the farmers working, but the people that are in their yards that don't farm there, they're getting in the garden or they're doing landscaping or they're going to nurseries and thinking about what kind of landscape plants can I buy? You know, a lot of them are just thinking about colors or, but you can also buy specific plants that attract specific animals.
0: And, you know, so there was a lot of bad things about COVID quarantine and all that but boy that was a time frame that really put people back in touch with gardening and yard work and and producing things and growing things you know i mean it really like i mean there's a whole new generation of people that due to those few months of sitting at home that that had picked back up on these things that have long been forgotten. Yeah, and and if and, there was
1: one good thing that came out of all that nonsense for two years, you know, I mean, that was definitely one of them. Yes, you know, people were buying chickens, and you know, getting in and trying to do raised beds, and there, and that's a good thing. We need to be, in my opinion, as self reliant and self sustaining as we possibly can. So that's well, a
0: great thing. And you know, as fast as we're covering farmland up with concrete and stuff yeah. and all that, I mean, it, it's solar there's, there's, panels. There's gonna in solar panels. There's gonna come a time in the in the near future where where you're going to be paying a lot more for food? It's already happening. Oh yeah, wheat. I mean, I know there's a war going on in Ukraine, but wheat hit an all-time high. I think this week, uh, twelve dollars yeah, and something. All-time a bushel, high. All-time high. Uh, Fuel's uh,
1: gone up three times in three days. I think.
0: Yes, yeah. and so if there's ever been a time where you better start figuring out, hey, I'm going to start producing some of this stuff myself. It, it, better now than better now than than late because. Times are changing in a big hurry. It
1: really is. And not only that, I think, you know, with just the fuel prices going up, I, I think freight is about to skyrocket. The, the big trucks that are going up and down the road, they're, they are they got to buy diesel too. So freight's going to skyrocket. That means food prices are going to go up. So growing your own food is a good idea. It really is. You know, something that's not only a good idea, it's, it's also fun and enjoyable.
0: It is very enjoyable. And yes, also
1: it. if you can attract certain critters to your plant or to your property – then, you know, that's just icing on the cake.
0: It is. Yeah, is it very fun to watch? We just we recently we have a fifth wheel camper at our house. You know, you talk about these different plants and things for to attract the bees and different things. Well apparently a fifth wheel camper will attract bees too because <laughs> we've had a beehive <laughs> up in the neck of that camper for about the last two years that has basically prevented us from using that thing because they get up inside the plastic of the neck of that thing. You don't
1: want to be the one that hooks it up. No. And
0: <laughs> yeah, when you go camping, you go camping in the summer, when are bees flying around? Yeah in the summer you know so i mean those suckers they have been solid in there so finally this winter we pulled all that plastic off and it was unbelievable the hive that was up inside of there that these bees had created because we had we brought people out to look at relocating these bees several times and they all said brad there's nothing we can do about it they're too sealed up inside there you know that like we can't even get to them to get them out and so you'd spray some seven dust, and it would, you know, knock that hive out. Well, then I guess they sense that honey and stuff, maybe, perhaps, or something, because a new hive would come right back in and take its place. Oh, baby. Yeah. And so, so finally this year we got that taken care of, and, and uh, so we might be ready to go camping now, Chansey.
1: Well, good. We
0: going to leave the bees at home, but you know
1: that's what I want to do this weekend or this spring break is go camping and just do some kayaking and some fishing and unwind. That'll be a good. My daughter's six, and she loves to camp, so the tent, the whole tent, and everything. Uh, that'll be a good week. Hopefully, it won't rain too much during that week.
0: Yeah, hopefully it won't. Hopefully, it will.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we always, you know, it seems like, you know, we can never be pleased, right? It's yeah. either not enough or too yes. little.
0: Yes, yes. And, and they say there's a that there's an uh, area of high pressure or this drought situation that's been over the West Coast is shifting our way for this year. And we typically have a drought every 10 years or so, and it's been 11 since our last one. So, so uh, uh, we're kind of overdue.
1: We may be in store for for pretty interesting times this, you know much this year. Of, do you
0: know much about the moon phases? There was a guy come in the feed store yesterday, and he said it's not going to rain because of the crescent of the moon was facing like a bowl. Yeah. And he said the old-timer said that, that, that the moon was going to catch the rain. And when the moon was at, was sitting like it sure, was like that, a cup, like I've a cup, heard that yeah, and that it wasn't going to rain because the old timers always said that if I don't even know what phase of the moon that is or what you call it, but but uh, he said that if the moon is shaped like a cup, that that catches the old timer said that catches the rain, and it wasn't going to rain this week. Really?
1: So. Well, I think you know a lot of that comes from the Farmers Almanac and "quote unquote" signs. That I think you know some people call it pseudoscience, but I think there's a lot to it. I think there may be some stuff as far as the The lunar and the solar and all that different equal that that do affect things. Yeah,
0: there's a lot more to it than me me and you know.
1: Yeah, way more. But yeah, I mean, the moon phase is not, I don't know a whole lot. I know like when it's growing, they call it like a a waxing moon. And when it's decreasing, they call it a waning moon. But the moon phase and just going out there and looking at it. Every night in a different spot is to me mind blowing enough. So yeah. as far as the <laughs> without way getting it, in anything else, <laughs> with, yeah, as far as the way it affects things, I'm sure that it does. But uh, lunar phase definitely has it has some effect and probably has some truth to that. I mean, I'm not gonna, I don't know, but it, it wouldn't surprise me.
0: Well, we'll see this week. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, we were supposed to have uh, anywhere from a thirty to sixty percent chance of rain here in the next couple of days. So we'll see if they're if the old timers are right on on, or if Channel Six or Channel Ten was right. One of them said 20, one said sixty. So yeah, we'll see who's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyways, so back to these plants that we were talking about. Well, what is it about these plants that attract all these pollinators? Well, it's pollen.
1: Yes, pollinators. Well, the flowers, and, okay.
0: the pretty things that you have to look at. will well, pollinators love them even more. So what are some of these pollinators, Chancy? Well, like that well, actu- actually the, the insects and that and birds that do this Yeah, So
1: the main pollinators that I think we're concerned with are butterflies, bees, hummingbirds. Those are ones that, you know. Uh, We're trying to attract her properties for various reasons. But to get back to the plants of it and what I call like the pollination biology of it, plants don't make pretty flowers for us to enjoy and pick. They make pretty flowers to attract pollinators. They are trying to attract pollinators so that the pollinator can come in there and allow the plant to reproduce. So that's why they make the pretty smells and the pretty flowers. And most of these different plants are created in such a way so that they... uh, Attract specific pollinators, not that pollinators can't overlap, you know, and pollinate species across. But some plants are specifically kind of designed for pollination by, say, hummingbirds. Some plants are specifically designed for say, pollination by butterflies and some for like bees.
0: So these plants are putting these flowers on to attract these these different pollinators, kind of like me and Chance used to do back in our single days. When our, <laughs> I mean, we get all dressed up with our starch pants on and brush your hair, yeah, go to dancing, put and on all. a
1: pretty shirt. Man, I kitchen. mean
0: tell you, but maybe in a squirt or two of cologne. You yeah,
1: know? well, there you go. You know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was a long time ago.
1: Yeah, you were trying to attract pollinators, I guess. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, but you know that it really is. That's what the flower is doing. You know, I mean that's that's what the plant is doing. It's 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 it uses that as a mean for reproduction. When you think about specific stuff, let's just go with hummingbirds, for example. Most people, or hummingbirds, really are fun. And, and these animals see differently. Well, you know, we and
0: do. it's kind of like you said we are with antlers. Like, people are that way with hummingbirds, too. Yeah. Everybody wants to attract hummingbirds. Like, they're just fun to watch.
1: They're amazing. Oh, they, man. They're unbelievably mind-blowing to watch one fly. Yeah. I mean, watch one just do its thing it just and to see one you know? and i
0: forget how many calories it takes them to move their wings as fast as they do like how much sugar they have to consume in oh order. yeah it's a, it's an unbelievable amount of calories yeah. that it takes for them to to move
1: that's why they need nectar and stuff like that they need super rich super fast so they're on a high sugar diet you know but they also eat protein i mean they eat bugs and stuff too Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They'll eat bugs and stuff because, you know, they do need protein and, you know, they don't get a whole lot of protein from the neck. But if you think about the biology of the species, the biology of a hummingbird, how many times have you ever watched a hummingbird... Go feed and land, land and then feed. I don't
0: think I've ever seen one land. I feed. haven't
1: either. They always
0: hover, and because they even have the little rail around the hummingbird feeders for them to land on, yeah. and
1: they never do. Yeah, they, sometimes they'll land on it, but a lot of times they're you know are hovering there. Animals see differently than we do. Some of them can see very similar to the way we do, but some of them see like insects and stuff. They may see at the different wavelengths and ultraviolet light, and but they have colors that they key in on that they like particularly and hummingbirds really like reds and oranges and yellows and combinations of those flowers so if you think flowers that attract hummingbirds these are flowers that are generally reds or oranges or yellows or a combination and they're usually held away from a plant they're held away from a plant so that a hummingbird could fly up to it be able to stick its beak in there and get nectar from it without having to land on something so think of like your coral honeysuckle and also most hummingbird plants the, the flowers are tubular, like a tubular flower. So, think of coral honeysuckle or uh, cardinal uh, flower, you know, little they are on a stalk or even standing cypress, which is a plant that I love, you know. Hummingbirds can go up there and, and, and pollinate, they can go and hover and get the nectar without having a gland.
0: Do you know if most of these are annuals?
1: A lot of them are perennial. Like Most a, well, of them, yeah, a lot of them are perennial. Especially so, you know, like your woody plants have plant. Like there's a specific a specific shrub that's called hummingbird bush, and it's just an amazing. It grows in the tropics and even in South Texas. It's a perennial bush, and man, it's just it's got the flowers like that. It's got the perfect colors like that, and it
0: know? will attract them. huh?
1: Oh man, it attracts you. Start planting. It's just like this. How many of y'all? And I know it's happened to me. and I'm, You probably don't know. Have problems with hummingbirds getting into your garage in the spring. You're out there in the springtime, you're working in the garden, you're working in the yard, you know, you're using the lawnmower, and hummingbird gets in your garage. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened well, to me several times. Well,
0: we don't have that many hummingbirds where I live out yeah. in the farming area. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just not enough stuff out there for them to eat. Now, you could attract a few of them with a hummingbird feeder, but sure. not a, not. A, we don't have a garage other, yeah. either, Chancey. Well, <laughs> if you did,
1: most of the time.
0: Yeah, that's the other problem. That's well, the main reason we never got any <laughs> hummingbirds in our garage.
1: <laughs> well, if you did and you had a garage door open, there's a very high chance that the <laughs> string that hangs down on the handle is red. Uh, it is a very high chance if you have one. If you got that, thinking back to my mom
0: and dad's house growing up, it that, was
1: it uh, hangs down and it's red. And those hummingbirds go in those garages because they see that little red and think about it, stork. That little red is just looking like a beacon, like a like a beautiful, magnificent flower sitting in there, ready to be pollinated. Well, isn't that something? So go, So all you gotta do is take some black spray paint, spray paint the handle, and that'll and keep, and keep the hummingbirds. Keep the, I'm not saying they can't get in there, but you, they're not gonna be attracted to there. I've even seen hummingbirds. Keep key in on like a lighter fluid tops of lighter fluid the red top wow. they'll key and go check it out you know try to pollinate it wow so red they're going after those
0: colors so well, if you think about it hummingbird feeders are mostly red with red yellow flowers what, yeah,
1: too yes that's because of that the, the that's the color so so specific plants like that, like I said, that hummingbird bush, super important, you know. Uh, and we'll talk more about specific plant when we get to there. But let's go ahead and move off hummingbirds and then talk about a butterfly adapted plant, you know, or a plant that's kind of been designed or something to uh, be pollinated
0: by butterflies. So for our for our hummingbirds, they red, yellow, orange colors deep flower yeah
1: tubular flower that, that extends away from the away from the plant
0: that they could fly up to and pollinate without yeah. s- without landing
1: and we'll list a whole bunch of these here in a, in a little bit okay. um but then so it's say you wanted to attract butterflies to your place and i'm not saying that butterflies can't pollinate what a hummingbird can and vice versa there's overlap there but i am saying these
0: these make it these are the easiest these ones. are
1: the easy ones so think about the biology of a butterfly how many times do you see butterflies now, some swallowtails do it a lot, but a lot of times butterflies will land on a flower and then they'll take their proboscis and they'll go around and jab it in, you know, to, to get nectar. And so a lot of your pollen, your butterfly adapted type plants have like an umbrella top, what you call a landing platform. Easy for a critter like a butterfly to land and be able to pollinate it. So think of like your lantanas. Think of your Dakota verbanes or, or verbenas or Dakota verbanes. Think of Indian paintbrush, you know, or n- not Indian paintbrush, Indian blanket, the, all of your galardia species, red firewheel, all those. Um, they have that round, open, flat spot for a, a butterfly. I mean, if you want to see some swallowtails, just go out to an Indian blanket field and you'll see some soon. And then a lot of those other, like lantanas and Dakota verbena, they have like a little tiny hole inside each individual flower. And that Hummingbird will take its proboscis and stick it down in there. So next time you look at a lantana flower, even though it's the size of, what you know, a silver dollar or sure. a 50 cent piece, that's hundreds of little flowers, you know. It's not just one big flower. It's a bunch of teeny tiny little flowers.
0: Man, that's like all-you-could-eat buffet for a butterfly if he gets on yeah. top of that thing. Yeah, you got all kinds of little stuff mm-hmm. to pollinate there.
1: And I'm sure they see different colors, too. But, you know, I mean, there's purple lantanas and pink ones and there's orange and yellow ones, you know, the one that's a little more native to here and... Butterflies all attracted to all of them, but um,
0: color's not that important for a butterfly.
1: I'm sure that it is. You know, I don't know for exact of a thing, but I know bees and hummingbirds for sure, and I'm sure it is to for butterflies. But like I said, gay feathers are a beautiful, beautiful plant out there that I just love. You know, and I've seen butterflies hover. And pollinate it, but I've also seen them land on it too, you know, and, and, and just dig through it as well. So, you know, I'm sure color matters sometimes, but they pollinate. And and that's another thing about butterflies too. They have host specific plants, you know, they're very, they're larvae. So the perfect example is the monarch butterfly. The Monarch, I mean, it's... What
0: time of the year do they come through
1: here? They come, they migrate in the fall and the spring. So, you know, if you've never done or watched a documentary around Monarch migration from Canada, across the Great Lakes, through the plains, through Texas and into Mexico where they winter, I highly recommend you document it. That is a mind-blowing migration. And to think that an insect does it is absolutely one of the most remarkable, amazing awesome things in nature in my opinion and so they come right through texas in the in the fall they usually come through the hill country like i remember sitting on the mountains of bandera texas when i was an intern you know trying to shoot does and it'd be october and all afternoon long i'd watch hundreds of monarchs just come through non-stop it was just so awesome to watch isn't that something yeah and in the springtime they're coming back you know and then they're having to lay their eggs on the milkweeds and then that's how they carry on their 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 migration up north and then back. So, highly, that's a that's a whole other topic in itself. That's fascinating. But they're they're specific. So these larvae for a lot of these pl- butterflies have specific plants that the animal is totally one hundred percent dependent on.
0: Kind of like the milkweed for the monarch.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, like I actually think there's a a buddy of mine. His wife took a picture of it. It's called a gallardia moth. And it, he's got a picture of a little tiny moth, it's about a half inch long, and it was perfectly red and yellow, just like the Indian blanket, you know, which is so cool. I wish I had that picture to show you. It's really, really neat. So that's kind of a butterfly plant. And then bees are a whole nother critter. Bees can pollinate just about anything they want to. They are designed so awesome to do that. And while we're on the topic of bees right quick, I want to mention briefly about just some bee stuff right quick for example you know we most people think of honeybees 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 but in reality according to university of texas there's 4000 native bees uh that are in north america 4000 4, native bees uh 800 now this is the this is according i guess entomologists like we said those guys are amazing you think it's hard to key out a plant or be a plant taxonomist those insect guys they are they know their stuff
0: buddy i did a bug collection <laughs> yeah. one time when i was little for an entomology project that we had through 4-h and there yeah. there's a lot to that yeah so just classifying in one little insect
1: oh yeah so if you're into insects or plants or soils you've heard the term lumpers and splitters before so depending on if the entomologist was a lumper or a splitter <laughs> i guess you know they say there's as many as 800 to uh eight hundred thousand to one million uh Eight hundred I'm sorry, eight hundred to a thousand native bee species in Texas. Oh my god. Eight hundred to a thousand, depending on who he are. Eight hundred, yeah, of native bees. So most of our bees out there are native little bees that are – some are small, some – there's a – So this
0: could I, be, like, from the bumblebee to the – There's nine
1: hul- different species of bumblebees in Texas, depending on who you talk to. Oh, wow. Nine different species in Texas. And most of these bees are solitary. Most of our bees that pollinate our flowers are solitary. They're just solitary little bees with their own little life cycle. And so, like I said, you could – just just the bee migrate – or bee biology, and I don't know a whole lot about it, but what little bit I read. It's just as amazing as the monarch migration, some of this bee stuff and the, the species and how they pollinate. But they can see a lot of different colors. And they pollinate, have a wide range of plants and different kinds of plants that they can pollinate just because of the bi- biology of the species. They can land on anything. They're pretty good flyers. They can hover as well. And then they also have these interesting little front feet their front feet are really cool for opening stuff up and getting into flowers. So a lot of the flowers that they bloom, like for example, blue bonnets is a perfect bee plant that you, and if you've ever paid attention to blue bonnets when they're blooming and watch a bee approach a flower, specifically a blue bonnet, they always start at the bottom. And like a lot of your legumes and a lot of your salvias and sages have what they call bilateral flowers. That means they're not perfectly radially symmetric. They're kind of you know, they're they, like your mints and stuff. Yes. They have what's called a landing platform for a little bug or a pollinator to land on. And when he lands on it, it opens that plant up and exposes the pollen. And the pollen gets onto the bee, and then the bee takes it to the next plant. And when he does it, that's how pollination works. Isn't that but something? Those plants have like nectar guides. If you look real close at some of your salvias, like bee pollinated plants, a lot of them are blues and uh, purples. And like my wife's always cussing the bees, but she's a Rockdale Tiger, so she's always wearing a Rockdale Tiger T-shirt, and it's always blue. And right. guess what? Bees always come check her out. It's like, take your blue shirt off, babe.
0: That's, a, that's their color, huh? <laughs>
1: yeah, so they, they come check blues and Like purples. a blue bonnet. Yeah, and so... If you ever notice you ever pay attention to the little white spot in the middle of a blue bonnet flower. So a blue pretty big, but a blue composed of a bunch of little tiny flowers.
0: Sure it when is. And that
1: bee comes to he always approaches from the bottom and they start working a flower from the bottom and work their way up. So as you know, about halfway through the bloom season, you can look at those blue bonnets, and that little white spot in the middle has turned to red. Turned to red because once it gets pollinated, it that little white spot turns red because the bee, um, Not every species, some species can, but a lot of bees don't see red real well. It's not that they can't see red, it's just it doesn't pop to them. They're not attracted to it. They're attracted to those blues and whites and those contrasts and purples and stuff. And so when it gets pollinated, that little center turns red. And then the bee the, doesn't even
0: then waste don't waste their time with it Don't waste their time
1: with it because it doesn't look good to them.
0: Man, that's unbelievable. Yeah,
1: so next time this bluebonnet season, if it rains good enough, we have a good one. Hopefully we do. Pay attention to those little bees. because and, and so th- that bluebonnet flower is bee-specifically po- pollinated because it's closed. And when that bee lands on that little landing platform of the bluebonnet flower, it opens up and he uses his front legs and sticks them inside that Little white spot, that's a little hole. He sticks them inside there, and then he can reach in there and pollinate that plant. Well, isn't that
0: something? Yeah. I mean, you don't even think about something like that. It's
1: quite the system. Isn't it? That is, boy. <laughs> I tell you what, it's
0: almost like it was designed to be that way. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. quite the system.
0: I, uh, but Indian paintbrushes, on the other hand, I mean, Indian blankets are not the same.
1: Well, no, but bees can pollinate them. I've seen bees getting all into Indian. The flowers are different, though. Yeah, the flowers are different. They don't open up. Indian uh, blanket is a aster species, and most of when I say aster, these are your sunflowers, y'all. So think of your sunflower type flowers, daisies, asters. Well, which one is it, Chansey, That has the it
0: looks just like a blue bonnet, but it's red. Is that the Indian blanket or Indian paintbrush? That's Indian paintbrush. Paintbrush, that one. And
1: if I was saying sometimes y'all, excuse me. I, I use the words interchangeably but i use them mistakenly when i say indian blanket i'm talking about the little flat ones the other ones the genus galordia the other one is indian paintbrush it's genus Castillea. so that's what i mean but it's kind of a bee pollinated plant as well it's similar we stop, it's got a yeah. very similar mm-hmm. growing
0: uh, growing pattern to it
1: yes yes it really is but um uh, the flowers are much different if you pay attention and to them. And it's red. Yeah, it's red. So there's but bees can still like I said a lot of our native bees they're they're jack of all specialists. And thank God we got them cuz they can pollinate just about everything because of the biology of the species. But well, there's some plants that are specifically for or you know, kind of designed to not me specifically for, but designed to kind of be a hummingbird plant or a butterfly plant. You know, while you're on the topic,
0: there was a gentleman coming here a couple of years ago. He had a a plum tree, I mean a peach tree in his yard, and he brought in these little mini-looking peach things that, like, they look like a really really small little peach. And he brought them in, and he's like, "All my peaches are falling off the trees." He said, "I mean, it, it just it was the size of probably like a like a peanut or something." I'd say or so. And so I did some research on that, and I guess as it turns out, those peach trees have to be pollinated from uh, by bees, right?
1: It's a bee type flower, like if you think of a peach flower, uh-huh. you know, it's got the landing platform and it's big, so that's probably a bee can crawl right in there. So a lot of your bee type flower, yeah, I would say peaches get pollinated by bees definitely
0: and so it's what i uh, come to find out about after talking to people about this was that all of your
1: rose family actually well if you
0: think about a peach tree in town is there many bees in town or like does people get a beehive in their house and you call somebody to come get rid of it like bees there's not a whole lot of bees probably to be found within city limits
1: probably Uh, not especially our native bees
0: and so come to find out like that's what was wrong with his peach tree here in Wasn't town there pollinated. was not enough bees in town to pollinate it because and so these little things that look like peaches were actually just the flower that never yeah. got pollinated and just fell off
1: yeah well and that's exactly right so that's why there's bee people that move their hives you know from places to places to help you know like I said rose family like almonds are in the rose family, like they'll have some of those almond farmers take bees or they have bees, but cotton, yeah, cotton, you know, they'll move them and that's honeybee stuff. But when you think about that, there's you know, say a thousand species of native bees in Texas. Well, what were those native bees used to fly pollinating? And
0: then there's that
1: native wildflowers, yes, native, you know, that's what And so what, <laughs> how much native wildflowers do we have out there, you know, that's growing out in the range and the you know, that's out there that didn't put into.
0: Pretty much road ditches. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's not in a road ditch, you don't see them, you know, too many other places.
1: Yeah. So a lot of our native, you know, that's part of our wildlife management project, you know, we'll leave standing stuff, you know, try to, you know, pollination is about as critical as it gets from a biological process as far as human beings, you know. Pretty much no pollination, it's about as critical as water. So, need to definitely make sure that our bees are taking care of Hard times
0: are ahead if we run out of pollinators. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes, it would. We'll become meat eaters real fast for a little time if until we- the meat eaters get hungry because they don't have any plants to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and and
0: then, then there's that problem.
1: Yeah. No, so it's a pollination biology in itself is just a fascinating topic that you know if you're interested in i highly you know get some books on or something because it's really neat especially learn about bees you know and they're every bee species has a different kind of hierarchy and it's just amazing to
0: everything has a niche
1: their life cycles yeah their life cycles so um and there's plants that they're adapted to, to pollinate specific ones for bees yeah well bees are kind of across the board but a lot of your bee type stuff like bee plants you want some bring some bees whether bumblebees or native bees blues and purples think of blues and purples so your sages and your salvias you know like there's some sages that are red and they'll help with bees will pollinate them too but uh your red ones like uh, 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 like our autumn sage you know hummingbirds will pollinate that as well but i gotta say i gotta say this about my mom Uh, a couple years ago she found some kind of sage that she had cultivated or something and um it just grew like a weed and this was a beautiful sage i don't know exactly what species it was it might have been called indigo spiral salvia or russian sage i don't i don't know um which species it was but I was just kind of going by the pictures, but she had bumblebees on that plant all summer long and not just one or two. I'm talking hundreds of them and they stayed. that thing. She didn't water take, you know, I mean, she took care of a little bit, that thing bloomed every day for all summer long. I was like, this is the most incredible bumblebee bush I've ever seen in my life. And it made the most beautiful purple sage flower. It looked like mealy sage, y'all, except it was a, deeper, rich, more beautiful purple flower and it bloomed year round. I mean not year round, but it bloomed all summer long. And it fed those bees nonstop. And not just humming uh bumblebees, but also carpenter bees were there and other things too. So now those those,
0: those bumblebees a, are pretty aggressive, aren't they?
1: Well they can be, yeah. And they, they live can, in they the can.
0: ground mostly?
1: Yeah, from what I know that a lot of times they'll live in the ground or in something. Um, you know, like I said, that's a whole nother thing the bumblebee, uh
0: I picked up a roll of hay one time that had been sitting over the winter, and it had a bumblebee nest underneath it. it oh, and I, I had no—they attacked every inch of that tractor that that uh, that we were using to move that hay with.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, them suckers. I've
1: heard, yeah, and you know, I've heard bumblebees get out. I've never got got into them, thank goodly. but I know like regular you know the killer bees for sure they've moved into Texas something to be worried about and even ground hornets you know ground hornets can be bad too you know they're bad news so I guess if you got bumblebees you know you might have a hive somewhere but the thing thing about bumblebees is only the queen survives all the other worker bees as far as I know and that's every species of bumblebee and most of our bumblebees, I might add, or most of them, I think, are SGCN species. And I think they're thinking about putting the American bumblebee, if they haven't already, on the threatened species list. Maybe even the endangered. I don't know how to fact check that, but Is that I know right? I've heard some talk about the American bumblebee. Uh, but definitely, you know, I'm sure if there's a, a hive in your yard, you definitely want to respect it, or you know, or maybe you don't need it there if, if it could be a problem what, do, or if you're do, allergic to bees or something.
0: Do you know how that works? Like a a female bee that's born in a bee colony like like what happens to it like since you only have one queen
1: like does yeah, it become a worker does it not that's a topic y'all that i think that's very very well studied and there's lots of books and articles about that i don't know all the details on it. i think for every species it's different but how they choose understand, yeah like because if only the queen survives you know for bumblebees
0: Bumblebees, like year I to think, year to year?
1: Yeah. I think every worker in bumblebees die. Over so the winter? So, like, in the very first part of the spring, the very first, when things start first start blooming. Right now. Yeah. The very first bumblebees you see, and I'm, like I said, I'm not an entomologist. So from what I remember, I want to say that... It's, those are all queens. They're just the queen that is out there trying to get enough nectar, get enough energy stuff to start laying her eggs and start her colony. Wow. In. But as the summer progresses, you get more and more workers. That's what I think. Hopefully an entomologist or from A&M or something will go. But it's something that if you're interested in, y'all Google search. Get on Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and read about bee life cycle and their social orders. It, it'll blow your mind. They really are fascinating. Yeah, it'll blow your mind. But uh, I guess back to some of the flowers that they love that you could be landscaping when in your yard would be um, uh, blue bonnets, of course. You know, fall aster, uh, Abelia grandiflora, which I don't know the common name of it, but it's a uh, Abelia is what I've usually heard and seen it, which is kind of a shrub. But it's got a, a, a flower real similar to a peach. So, you know, uh, bees just love it. Agarita, which is a good one, you know, uh, for bees. All your asters, uh, sages, autumn, both the autumn one and the purple, good for bees uh daisies all your sunflowers and horse mints too those are all good bee type stuff and a lot of them you could landscape in your yard or around a water feature around a bird bath, or something like that and you'd attract you know a lot my grandma
0: she would always plant just the wild sunflowers mm-hmm. in her yard and boy it attracted all kinds of stuff
1: yeah they're, and they're pretty pretty flowers. they you are know, they really are Uh, Let's see. Uh, So that's kind of some stuff you could plant for bees. If we wanted to get uh, specific, like we started off with, with hummingbird plants, so plants that you could plant in your yard or landscape around your house or property to attract these animals, these hummingbirds, some specific ones are, like I said, that hummingbird bush. Coral honeysuckle—that is a good one, y'all. That's
0: a big, deep flower on honeysuckle, is Yeah,
1: and you know, so you got Japanese honeysuckle, you know, and then you got coral honeysuckle, which is a pretty red one that's got a yellow center, and it's a tubular flower. It's a vine, y'all. Uh, so think of where you could uh, where a vine would do good. And this is a hardy plant too. Once you get established, you'll really like it, and you'll attract hummingbirds with it. I guarantee you. Um, flame acanthus. Flame acanthus is a good one. It's got a tubular. Long flower, and this is a tough plant, y'all. Like, it loves full sun and it can take the heat. So, if you got a hot spot on the west side of the house, you can't get nothing to grow and it's just constantly burned up, plant a flame acanthus there, and it'll it's it'll it's tough. Take, it's tough, and hummingbirds love it, you know. Uh, cardinal flower, I said autumn sage, a uh, standing cypress, which is if you're in you know, uh, kind of a sandier land or even a gravelier land in here in central Texas, you know, standing cypress that's a beautiful. Beautiful plant that hummingbirds will go out. Almost
0: of. like a cypress tree.
1: Uh, it's actually they call it standing cypress, but it's actually a, a an herb. You know, but it'll get when it blooms, it puts up a long stalk that's got a bunch of different little red flowers all up and down the stalk. You see it on Grasshopper Hill, Bradley, in the springtime. If you ever been driving when we was in kids, you know, on that place you used to lease, yeah, across the creek and go up the hill, it grows there in the spring. It's that pretty flower. You'll see, uh, it gets a real pretty red stalk. And then if you get out in the sandy land, you'll see the wells, too, and some of our deeper sands.
0: It likes well-drained soils?
1: Yeah, well-drained soils. hmm Turk's cap, which is a good one that grows in the bottomlands, you know. That's a good, good humming. And think, most of these are red flowers, y'all. So these are hum- hummingbird plants. Lantanas, they'll use them as well, especially when you get some that have the reds and oranges. They'll attract hummingbirds as well, but it's also a butterfly plant. Uh, trumpet vine, that's a good one. And shoot, all your salvias, you know, any of your salvias that are red or orange or yellow, salvias, sages, I think there's 900 different species in, or gene, different genus species in the genus salvia. So, you know, a bunch of sages and stuff out there you could be planting. Think of colors and tubular. You find a plant that's tubular, holds away from the flower, the plant.
0: Good and, hummingbird plant. And
1: it's orange or yellow or a combination. Tacoma stands, what we call Esperanza's, yellow yellow flower, drought hardy. It's a little bush. That's a good one to plant. Real pretty yellow flower. D- did we mention we talked about bee pollinated? But I wanted to say just because I think it's pretty cool, uh, the fly stuff. Remember? we? Were, oh, yeah. Uh, so there's some plants, y'all, that uh are specifically pollinated by flies. And I don't have any, but I've read, you know, that they smell like rotten flesh. <laughs> yeah you wouldn't want to
0: grow those on your front porch no, no. probably but well wouldn't that be something yeah, to see though yeah
1: fly adaptive power so so they give off an aroma you know they
0: have, they have an odor that, it, that basically like is, carrion yeah. yeah
1: carrion and then some flowers are specifically kind of bee pollen or uh, beetle pollinated flowers
0: oh i didn't realize yeah, that like a
1: lot of your cactuses like I do a lot of uh, black lace cactus surveys in the springtime, which is an endangered plant down in South Texas. And when they're blooming, mostly almost all of the, all of its pollinators are beetles or beetle larvae. I've got tons of different and different kinds. I don't even know. Like I said, gotta be a a bug nerd, but bunch of different kinds of beetles and so next time when your cactus prickly pear is blooming go in there and look inside of it a lot of times it's a beetle and they like spices if you smell like a prickly pear or a cactus type flower a lot of times it's spicy smelling kind of a spicy smell and i guess the beetles like that
0: so you know i wonder if that smell or that that carries over to the honey that people make you know i,
1: mean, I think so It's you know there's specific. there's
0: different like you have a uh, sure. prickly pear don't we have prickly pear honey i think oh some yeah
1: people. just about anything that's pollinated mm-hmm. you know yeah cover. i wonder
0: if that carries over to the honey like the taste of the yeah. honey
1: like some of yes it does i know specifically like working in south texas all the time you know the spring brush down there blooms, so like all the wee satch and the twisted acacia and the ratama and the kidney wood and agarita, all this spring diversity brush blooms down there, and a lot of those bees will put, a lot of those bee farmers will put their their hives in South Texas on diverse places, and it makes some of the best honey there is, just native brush honey, yeah.
0: You get a real, you get a real mix of a lot of different
1: things. Yeah, and like I said, you, you know, I don't know a whole lot about producing honey, but you know, you can get. Different honey from clovers or whatever. They all have a different taste to them.
0: Yeah, we we sell several different ones here at the store, and people will come in and ask for them. You know, buy a species, they'll be like, "Do you have, do you have cotton honey?" You know, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, I've I guess, heard
1: cotton honey is really good. I've never, never tried that one before.
0: It's probably mm-hmm. good unless they got in there after it was sprayed with Roundup. But <laughs> yeah, that's the only, the only thought I've ever had about cotton, cotton honey, honey. You know, I mean, <laughs> Roundup <laughs> ready cotton. You know, you've probably sprayed it. You know, with uh, Roundup. Maybe, sure. depending on when. And I'm wondering if that carries over to the honey, possibly. Yeah. But
1: So, uh, I was, yeah, I am i don't know. But, and you know, <laughs> I mean, here in our necker woods, we've got Mexican plums, you know, and that's getting pollinated, and even thicket plums, you know, it's getting pollinated. And red buds, they're getting pollinated by bees, mostly. So. Yes, that's true. So, they're all fixing to bloom right now. So, think about it. Here comes spring. Our native bees, a lot, like I said, a lot of them are solitary. And if they're not solitary, like the nine bumblebee species, those queens are fixing to start coming out and trying to get some.
0: And they're hungry. And
1: yeah, hungry. So that's kind of cool little tidbit that I thought about the flies and the beetles. Well, uh,
0: you know, speaking of that, I wonder what the deal is with the Venus flytrap. Like, uh, you know, what the deal is with that. Is that a pollinating thing or what is that? No, it's
1: because most of your flytraps and stuff like that grow in um, acidic, boggy type soils. Okay. So, and uh, they're getting, uh, the plants needing a nitrogen
0: uh, that's that's like basically like we fertilize plants they get that from eating the the insects yes yeah well, how about that yeah
1: so and that's what i understand so like the venus fly trap and there's some that probably is pollinated too it might be a combination but i know a lot of them need nitrogen so they get their nitrogen from the uh from the bugs that they trap or like a, say a pitcher plant pitcher plants you know the bugs fall down in there they need that's where they can get some of their nitrogen from and same thing with uh, your uh what do they call it honeydew which we have these here are, are not honeydew uh, you know you'd almost have do. to have a
0: digestive system in order to take advantage of that it's kind of weird to think about
1: yeah yeah like-
0: I mean really and truly.
1: Well yeah, think of those pitcher plant bogs, you know out in East Texas and stuff and in Louisiana. I've worked a lot with those as well and it's just neat, you know, the bugs fall in there and from what I understand, I don't know, don't quote me. I mean I may be wrong, but I think it's they're using it as a nitrogen source. Hmm. I believe so. I'll check on the I'll check on that, y'all, and, <laughs> and mention it next next week if they aren't I guess, did we cover butterfly plant stuff? No, I don't think we did. Butterflies in your yard?
0: Well, I think we covered the uh, bees and we covered the hummingbirds, but I don't believe we covered the butterflies yet.
1: Okay, so some butterfly plant specific. And and like I said, y'all, most of these I'm trying to do native. I know some of them may not be native, but, you know, as long as it's not an exotic, invasive species that's going to get out there, you know, it's okay to land, you know, in your yard. Uh, What was I going to say? Pride of Barbados. I think... That's that's an awesome hummingbird plant too, and it's a kind of a brushy tree, pride Barbados. That's a humming plant too. That's good, but butterfly specific, Dakota verbenas, like we mentioned, purple. You know, they think of your 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 flowers that have or shrubs that have like a place for a, hum, a butterfly to land real well. Lantana, like I said, all your galorias. Um, of course, your milkweed for your monarchs, if you want to kind of help out your monarchs. And there's a bunch of different species of milkweed. I mean, just in Central Texas, you've got butterfly weed, you've got antelope horns, you've got green milkweed, you've got xyzotes. You know, you've got several different species you could choose from just for Central Texas. Uh, Echinaceous, purple cone flower. that's a great, great butterfly plant. All your mistflowers, your white mistflower, your blue mistflower, those all do great. Gay feathers, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, plant that grows, that will do very well in our area. It's awesome for butterflies. Uh, GoldenEye Daisy, a, a nice shrub that's good for butterflies is Texas Kidney Wood. And we'll talk about this in just a second, but beware, if you got a deer problem, don't even think about planting Texas Kidney Wood, because the deer will hammer it. It's a, it's, even in the wild, it's a first choice plant. So if you live in a neighborhood that's got a bunch of deer, they're going to eat it. Horse Mint, Turk's Cap, all your phloxes, Like Here we're fixing it, especially in the Sandy Land, we're going to get if it rains, we're going to get some good phlox color. These are like your little Drummond's phloxes or golden eye phloxes, uh, your little native phloxes out there that kind of have several several flowers. These are really good butterfly. And like a lot of stuff, you can landscape with these and, and attract those animals. That kind of covers, and like I said, y'all, this is not a comprehensive list. Just is just a list of stuff out there you could be thinking of kind of native and most of this stuff you can find at your local nursery especially a native nursery well
0: even even like your native like wildflower mix of seeds that's so easy to plant
1: yeah has a lot of these in there and i think y'all you can go and even find bee friendly mixes and butterfly friendly mixes of uh Native wildflowers to plant on your property, and it's involves just raking up a little small spot in your yard. You know, it doesn't even have to be very big. Just rake up a little spot and plant it, just like we talked about earlier with a broadcast.
0: And and a lot of those things, they're being though they're gonna make a flower, they're gonna make a seed, and then they'll come back again next year. A lot of those annuals, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Shred it, mow it down, shred it down, and make sure
1: that you wait for it to go to seed first. That's where uh, the highway department messes up a lot. They're trying, and people in general they're trying to wait grow- for the
0: wildflowers to seed
1: yeah wait for your blue bonnets to start popping when they start popping that's when you want to shred them but if you shred them before that pod is matured and you don't you just took your seed source out for that year shred even it or mow it.
0: even though you let it go to the bean that it, that it the pod that it made yeah
1: but if it doesn't mature yet
0: yeah you're yeah, yeah you're yeah you wasted your time mm-hmm. of, of even letting it get that far at that point
1: yeah yeah so the the, the, the blue bonnets got a bloom
0: it takes Get a pollen. pretty good amount of time yes, for yes usually,
1: usually we shred before before it's done before the seed has started popping yet yes when i call it, it's become mature so what i'm talking about is with that pod the uh, 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 a blue bonnet is a legume so that makes a little bean pod
0: it's, it's a really big seed
1: yes and it pops when it gets brown and pops open that's you know you need to let it wait till then before you mow it or shred it even in your yard if you want to let it reseed so they'll come back again next year
0: will deer eat those blue bonnets the beans the little pods that they make
1: <laughs> you know i've never seen them eat it but it wouldn't surprise yeah, they'll me. Deer, eat, deer will eat and... just about anything if they get hungry enough yeah you know? so it wouldn't surprise me at all um i'm sure they're not picking it up off the ground you know once it pops like a quail would but yeah i wouldn't surprise them if they eat the pod for sure on the plant
0: what about deer resistant plants yeah like so... what are some things we could plant in our yard that will that because the, the if the deer in neighborhoods and everywhere are starting to become a problem, they're even becoming like a issue out where I live too. So, what yes. are some things that you could plant that like these deer just absolutely will not touch?
1: Yes, well, if they get hungry enough, they'll eat just about anything. But there's definitely some plants that you could plant. Like if the deer are because what I mentioned y'all over here on butterfly plants and bee plants and hummingbirds, a lot of those deer like to eat. They're yummy for them.
0: A lot of them you mentioned there are good little forbs when they're small.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and a lot of them, the brush, you know, the deer, deer will target them specifically. But there's some plants out there that deer just generally don't don't like to eat unless they have to. And that's what we talked about in one of our earlier episodes, the third choice plants. And some of these, and these are going to be a mixture of woody plant shrubs, um, a little bit of everything, y'all. But things just you can think about planting that are what I'm going to call deer resistant are cedars you know any of your junipers they don't eat them the uh, They've got to be hungry at wax myrtle, yeah.
0: I, them cedars will make you sneeze a little bit too, though.
1: Uh, hey, you got to lesson with that this year? Yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean, tell you, yeah,
0: yeah. Did we
1: did we discuss that? No, I don't think we did.
0: It's the weirdest thing about cedar trees. While we're on the topic, but I didn't know that there's a male and a female cedar tree. Yes, like two different ones. Yep, not self pollinating, and so the female cedar trees, apparently, as Chancy was describing it to me, make the little purple. Berries, I guess you would yeah, call it. The fruit. The mm-hmm. fruit.
1: Yeah, so that was a flower that got pollinated. I mm-hmm. mean, little poll-
0: yellow flowers, like they're real little flowers, aren't they, mm-hmm. that it usually puts on?
1: Well, the, yeah, they're tiny, you mm-hmm. know, because it's in its own kind of a. A uh, strategy of plants. Uh, I don't. It's. I don't think it's a flowering plant. It's and it's kind of. Yeah. Own, it's.
0: Own. You just see a little color change yeah. there when it puts it on,
1: mm-hmm. and then especially the males when it's producing pollen.
0: Oh lord! Yeah. And so if you noticed the the cedar trees here recently, you really probably noticed the male ones. Yes. Yeah. Chancey sent me a little video a couple weeks ago of a of a male cedar tree outside of his house and i mean it is just like he took a stick and hit it and just a cloud of pollen just comes off of this the cedar tree i mean they are covered in pollen
1: covered in them and so you brush them or if you have one in your yard y'all and you're allergic to cedar probably want to think about cutting it down
0: or you might yeah if you're <laughs> going to plant one you might try to figure out if it's a female version yeah, of it at first
1: yes you know and that's especially true for like um like well, a lot of what we mentioned, you all know, planting stuff, if you were planting it from a fruit like persimmon, you know, persimmon has male and female, too. So make sure that you buy a – you want to buy a female persimmon tree, but you're also going to need a male if it's only one or you're not going to get pollinated. Wait, and you know, that may
0: be a whole nother yeah. topic because pecan trees – appear to be the same way too like as far as getting a good pollination like you need several trees
1: oh yeah you did yes you need several yeah for it, everything it, it,
0: like we have we used to have five pecan trees in our yard and we added onto our house we had to cut down three of them mm-hmm. and so now since we've removed those three trees we're getting a lot less pecans on our other two yes because of a pollination issue you know
1: diversity is key mm-hmm. like we talk about so much of it Especially when it comes to pollination. So, like, just pollination biology, back to it. I mean, there's also wind-pollinated stuff, which is your cedar trees, you know, and even your And that pollen will travel. Yes, it can travel. So, wind-blown. So, you know, some are pollinated by animals. Some pollinated by even bats, you know. And and, and, uh, I think there's some areas, you know, that are even pollinated by other small mammals. But other deer-resistant plants, uh, wax myrtle, if it did, most of your lantanas, deer ain't going to mess with. Mealy sage—they don't like mealy sage at all, which is a good, good sage-type plant for good for bees. Wafer ash, which is a small little shrub. Rotama. deer don't normally eat ratama, and it's got a beautiful yellow flower, y'all, uh, and it smells good. In South Texas, when that stuff is blooming, I love being in South Texas, just because it—man, it, it just—it smells so good. The ratama. Coral berry, it, it makes a real pretty fruit in the wintertime right now, you know, and deer don't tend, tend to eat it. Sycamores, Mexican buckeye, uh, Mexican buckeye is also a good pollinator type plant to grow as well. And Deer don't like it, and it'll attract critters. Anacacho orchid tree, which is a cool little legume, you know, it's one of the, it's uh, native to like the hill country and stuff like that. You'll see it around there. What's well, actually native to the Anacacho mountains, which is, you know, a whole nother topic in Texas, which is really cool cool little legume that's got a pretty flower and the deer
0: don't legume the deer don't like
1: yeah that they don't like a lot of legumes they hammer but this happens to be one they don't tend to i'm not saying they won't eat it you know but there's too many they tend to eat other things first texas persimmon is a good one you know deer typically don't hit it as hard but i've seen areas of high deer density where they will eat it uh evergreen sumac American beautyberry here, American beautyberry, I have that, and redbud with a star beside it because that's an interesting plant. In some soil types, I see it deer hammer, and some other ones, they won't touch it. So I don't know what it is about it, but some some American beautyberries,
0: they'll odd. eat,
1: and some of them, they won't eat. I don't know what's going on. Same with redbuds. I've seen redbuds. Another thing, too, if you plant a redbud, y'all... You know, in Texas, you know, you got the Eastern Redbud and you got the Mexican Redbud, you know, make sure if you're planting it the hill country Plant the hill country one, but if you're east of I thirty five, plant the you know, the, the eastern one. That, that might sure. have
0: been what my mom and dad did wrong when we were kids, they planted one and it didn't last very long in the in the black dirt out there. Yeah,
1: one of them's more adapted to the acidic eastern type soils and one of them's more adapted to the out calcareous limestone blackland type soils where we're from. I
0: bet that's what we did wrong. Mm-hmm. And that cotton root rot, will it get those?
1: You know, I don't know. I'm not sure about that, Bradley. Yeah, don't know. Um, and like i said and, and they're funny sometimes i see deer hammer them and then sometimes they won't touch them so it's one of those plants i just take a note of like hmm that's interesting <laughs> didn't read that one in the book uh carolina buckthorn that's a beautiful little shrub that actually is native to the hill country and does well here as well deer tend to not eat it as well but it's a cool little tree desert willow eve's necklace which is really um uh, it's in the same genus as um uh, Oh heck, the, the beautiful shrub everybody plants that smells like purple Kool Aid. I don't know Mount, what that Mount, is,
0: but I want to plant some mountain now.
1: laurel. Mountain laurel, oh okay, When yeah. it blooms, man, it smells just like purple Kool Aid. I used to, when I was planting in plant taxonomy, I'd collect that stuff every spring for labs and quizzes. But I'd always throw some underneath the seat of my truck because it'd make the it makes it smelled smell, that good. Oh man, for like a month, you know, and then, you, <laughs> yeah, this stuff's stout, and it smells just like purple Kool Aid to me. Uh, so Eve's Necklace is a good one, and, and deer don't like Eve's Necklace or Mountain Laurel. Uh, Agarita. Agarita's got a beautiful little yellow flower. It's fixing to pop right now. If you got any Agarita on your place, go look at it. It's fixing to bloom if it's not blooming already. Uh, and then also some of that, those salvias, a lot of your salvias and sages, a lot of them deer just kind of tend to avoid.
0: So if you look at that list, there's a lot of crossover there with your pollinators. Like, yes.
1: That. And like, you know, try to work it together. You know, if, if deer are an issue for you, it's cause you don't want to go out there and spend time, money and time and then come back the next day and the deer have hammered it down. So. Because that will happen. Yes, it will. Especially if you plant something they like. Uh, Some other things that they don't tend to eat real much is mock orange, oleander, black-eyed susan, pride of Barbados, what we talked about, rock rose, cedar sage, tropical sage, Lindheimer senna, which is a pretty little yellow, yellow legumes, kind of native to the hill country. A lot of succulents, y'all. Deer don't tend to eat cactuses, you know, a whole lot. I mean, in South Texas, I'll see them camp on them, but a lot of our landscape type cactuses and choyas, choyas and stuff, they don't. It, they don't eat them much. Uh, no no, liners and sacroistas, so tall, red yucca. Red yucca, I'm glad. Uh, red yucca is a beautiful, perfect hummingbird plant. It's a little succulent out there. It's very well. I
0: thought a yucca gets big.
1: Some of them do, but there's a little red yucca. They call it a yucca. I don't think it's a yucca. I think it's actually in the lily family, but they call it a yucca. But it's a little drought-tolerant little plant. It puts up a beautiful little stalk, makes little red flowers on it hummingbirds love it so if you want to xeriscape something y'all plant some red yuccas on your place you don't have to order them very much they're drought hardy and you will bring in the hummingbirds
0: they probably like well-drained soils though don't they
1: Yeah, I'm sure they do, yeah. And a lot of the stuff that we're planting in our likes well-drained soils, you know. They like it moist, but they don't like their feet wet, you know, or to stay wet. Twist-leaf yucca, all your buckley yuccas in East Texas and in Malam County, Louisiana yucca, you know, these put up stalks with pretty flowers, and deer don't tend to eat them. Those are some good ones to think about from deer-resistant, from a landscape standpoint. Uh, Vines that, you know, you could look at is coral honeysuckle. That's a good hummingbird plant that... Deer tend not to eat too much. All your jasmines, your species Gelsimian, passion flowers. Passion flowers, like uh, the real pretty, pretty passion flowers that so many people like. We got a yellow passion flower and a purple passion flower. In general, you know, they'll avoid them. And also like wisteria. I know wisteria is a, kind of a no-no. It's, you know, one that's kind of naturalized in area. But it's a good pollinator plant, and deer do not like it at all. So if you got an area that... You, you know, if you like wisteria, you know that's an option. Whereas a lot of people don't like wisteria because it can naturalize and, you know, kind of escape. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. But there is a place for it if you can control
1: it. Sure. You know, and if, yeah, and sometimes, you know, you, you need it something like that. You need it to cover something up. You know, it serves its purpose for, for what it intends and it makes a beautiful flower too. It really does.
0: So there, that's a list of plants that you could plant. In if you got deer in your area that, that would do. Where these plants will actually survive without the deer eating them all up.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And, and so, I guess, Chancy, that about wraps it up for today, don't it, bud?
1: Yeah, I think so. And like I said, I think, that I know, y'all, that's a broad topic over a bunch of different stuff. But it's it's an interesting topic, and we're out there in the yards and gardens right now this time of year anyway. So, if you're going to a nursery, you know, and you want to be a little more wildlife friendly, that's some stuff you could think about.
0: And especially think about the colors. That's an easy one. Yes. You know, what colors, again, sum it
1: up for us, bees. Bees really like purples and blues with contrasting whites, you know, and uh, lavender, stuff like that. Uh, hummingbirds really like yellows and oranges and reds and combinations of those. The way that the flower is on the plant makes a big difference for hummingbirds. But bees are, man, they're specialists. Well, I say specialists, but they can pollinate just about anything they want, you know, so they can do lots of colors, but they really like blues, blues and purples and sage type colors. They seem to be attracted to them very, very well butterfly plants think of the shape you know stuff like
0: that so do yourself a favor and whenever you plant your flower beds this year have, keep that keep all that in mind because that's a whole lot uh, there's a whole nother something else to look at that's almost as fun to look at as the flowers themselves
1: yeah well i tell you if you make a butterfly garden around your house you know or a specific you know hummingbird plant some native plants and landscape it around a water feature around a bird bath with these plants it'll blow your mind how many hummingbirds you'll bring in. It's cool, especially just bees. Like I said, that that plant on my mom's, that salvia she's got, it was stunning to see how much it fed and how long it did and how many bees bees were on it every day, every day.
0: So keep that in mind as you go out shopping at, uh, for your plants this year and because it, it is springtime and it's time to get out there. It's time to start turning the dirt, time to get things in the ground, get them growing. Yes, sir. But, hey, guys, I guess that's it for this week. It was a joy talking to you. Chansey's always a pleasure visiting with you too, bud.
1: Likewise, Brad. Always fun to be here.
0: And I guess we'll talk to you all next week.
1: Bye-bye, y'all.